What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-hosts, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to rate and review the show. That really helps us out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow all of us at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we discuss everything going on in both the Western and Eastern Conference Finals, and we'll preview week three in the NFL with the TSK Show Power Rankings and our picks of the week. All this and more on episode 160 of the Sports Kingdom show coming up right now. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 160 of the Sports Kingdom show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. Tyler, how you doing, man? Doing good, dude. It was uh, a fun episode with uh, with Jeff Perlman, the episode before this. So it's still kind of riding high for that. Yeah, man. It's a, It's been a quick turnaround. We just got done recording with nine-time New York Times bestselling author Jeff Perlman. He's got his newest book coming out, Three Ring Circus. It comes out tomorrow, today, depending on if you're listening to this. Uh, now this episode will be actually get released on Tuesday, September 22nd, the day the book comes out. So be sure to go and get that book, Three Ring Circus, by Jeff Perlman. It was great having him on. Um, but, yeah, so we're, we released that episode a little bit ago once we got done recording that now we're recording our regular tsk show episode for this week and sitting across from me running the board jacob gonzalez jacob how are you man i'm good man honestly this weekend i uh enjoyed the weekend with all the football and basketball games that there were so yeah it was great can't complain yeah so uh it's it's been a busy time here for the tsk show but we're excited make sure you go check out that jeff perlman episode he he's got a lot of great stories that you might not have heard from the Kobe Shaq days in Three Ring Circus. So go go get that. But before we get into the NBA playoffs, we have to remind you about our friends who make probably the best coffee ever. This episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Campus Point Coffee. Campus Point Coffee was founded in 2019 by former UC Santa Barbara students, but due to the pandemic, they had to go strictly online. TSK Show listeners will get 15% off their purchase from campuspointcoffee.com by entering the promo code TSK Show. That's promo code TSK Show for 15% off your purchase from campuspointcoffee.com. And Campus Point Coffee has a variety of different roasts to choose from. And even if coffee really isn't your thing, don't worry. They have plenty of other merch like mugs, tumblers, t-shirts, and even a tote bag all on campuspointcoffee.com. I just got the order I placed for my dad over the weekend, and he already used the tumbler I got him when he went to the beach uh, Sunday morning for his normal Sunday morning run. 
Yeah, man, I've been rocking their espresso for like six, seven weeks now. I still drink it every morning, still loving it. Honestly, I can't get off of the medium roast. That is my favorite. I'm trying to try a new one, but I think the Deltopia is my favorite. My dad loves the medium roast, so support us while supporting a company that makes probably the best coffee ever, in addition to helping save the beaches at the same time. And they take a portion of their profits and organize their own beach cleanups as well. So if you're a coffee lover or you want to rock some cool merch while helping save the beaches, just enter promo code TSK Show at checkout for 15% off your purchase from campuspointcoffee.com. That's promo code TSK Show for 15% off your purchase at campuspointcoffee.com. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midfield. Final seconds. Brian for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. I can already see the smile on your face. I know what you're going to say. So should just get right to it then. Yeah, before we get into Anthony Davis hitting the buzzer beater last night in game two of the Lakers and Nuggets series, uh, Jacob sees the grin ear to ear on my face right now. We have to talk about the Clippers blowing the 3-1 lead over the Denver Nuggets. The Clippers clippered, y'all. It, I mean, it was glorious to watch. And um, Well, it depends on what spectrum you were. I mean, uh, if you were a Clipper fan, it was the utter c- catastrophe and a disaster friend of the show adam oslin host of pre halftime and post game and i wish he was here today. of the los angeles clippers uh he said the first call they took on clippers talk after the game the guy said that this was the worst day of his life <laughs> i'm surprised he didn't cry he might have but um i mean the clippers franchise 50 years, longest hit, longest streak in all of sports, no matter the sport, to never make it to a conference finals. They, they haven't made it in 50 years. That streak still stands. It's, I mean, the fact that Clippers fans crowned their team as champions when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were announced to be coming to the Clippers, it... The Lakers fans danced on the Clippers fans' graves on Twitter after that game Tuesday night, and it was so much fun to partake in those festivities. It was, I mean, it was expected as a Laker fan, I think, that, I mean, I said when the Nuggets won game six that the Clippers were going to lose game seven. Yeah, you picked them in game seven. I will give it to the Nuggets. I doubted them in this game only because I really thought that the Clippers were going to have their stuff together coming into this game. It's the biggest game of the series. They had opportunities to finish it in games six and five, but did not do so. And I really chose the Clippers to pick this game. That Clippers curse, man, it, it, it came back to bite them once again. 
Tyler, what were you thinking as you were watching Game 7 unfold and, and the Clippers collapse? Well, first of all, it's, it's pretty hard to watch an organization struggle so bad. I mean, it, it is, it's hard to watch. It, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. There's no, there's no like, clear reason why. You know, there's no, re- there's no reason why they should have lost. Um, it's, it really does just feel like a curse. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, an, it's, it's, it's organizational. It's from top to bottom. There's Kawhi and Paul George didn't show up. Doc Rivers should have his team ready to play. You know, I guess from a, like a GM standpoint, they crushed out the park. You know, from an ownership and GM standpoint, they, they knocked out the park. But it's just like the dudes that were on the court and the coaching staff that was on the bench, it's just like, what happened? You have no excuse. Kawhi, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be the best basketball player in the world to a big chunk of people out there. And, it, you know, I don't think you can say that anymore. Uh, Paul George, you know, you, I mean, basically almost took himself down a tier of player, you know. He went from, like, one of those second-tier superstars to, you know, I don't know if he's in that group anymore. Uh, and then, you know, Doc Rivers and the role players, there's no excuses. They should have won. It's just some flabbergasted they lost. Uh, it was hard to watch. They sh- there's no reason they should have won. The Nuggets literally just wanted it more than they did. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was very apparent from the jump in, in that game seven. It speaks to their whole season, though. You know, it's, it's, it's like load management and try to turn it on at the end. The Celtics tried to turn it on at the end too when Doc Rivers is their coach. Well, and that's you know, they did, you know I remember that last year what was it 2010 or 2011 really that last year the big three and Doc tried to turn it on it just doesn't it's not as successful as you as you may think even though you have the best players in the world. Yeah, and that's that's really what I think a lot of Clippers fans and. Uh, reporters that are are around the Clippers the team, easiest, yeah. The the, the chemistry not though. playing together that's that's the biggest uh, narrative or excuse that that they're using. So I mean, it is what it is. But ultimately, whose fault do you think it was? And do you think that Doc Rivers is gonna be gone? I mean, I know Chris Haynes came out with a report saying that Doc Rivers is one of the main reasons why Kawhi Leonard came to the Clippers, but. I think at some point you have to look at Doc and be like, you've been here for seven years. He was the the coach of the Lob City Clippers all the way to now, and the Clippers had a franchise record-setting year for wins for their season this year, and then it ultimately ends up being the most disappointing year in Clippers history with the way it ends. So They're Very saddled Mariners. Yeah, so Tyler, who do you think – do you think Doc Rivers lasts, or what do you think happens? Do they I think, they I think go Doc the trade r- the trade route? I think Doc Rivers lasts, and I think you see like a majority of those guys come back. I mean, I think Pat Bev, Lou Will, um, uh, Montrez, DG, Kawhi all come back. Trez uh, is a free agent, though, so. He's, so Trent, so, he's going to okay, command Trent, some money after winning six man of the year. Yeah, so Trez might not come back, um, I guess, in that sense. Um, but I think for, for the most part, that core and that coaching staff is going to come back next year. Uh, I don't think 
it's over. I mean, it's just because I don't think you can blame it on one person. I think that all five or six coaches and all 15 players on that bench in that bubble need to be blamed. I mean, everybody should have been up more for these games. They had a 3-1 lead. You got to close it out. You got to close it out in those one of those three games. So uh, I just I don't think you can put put the blame on one person. And honestly, I would lean more towards Kawhi than Doc, in my opinion, just because of how highly touted that Kawhi move was, what his what his name brings with championship pedigree and kind of clutch, and getting it done and being grimy. Uh, it just you would have thought Kawhi would have won one of those three games. Well, and this is by himself. this is really the first time Kawhi's been the supposed like supposed to be like the the leader the number one guy on the team like in san antonio he had tim duncan manu and tony parker and in toronto it wasn't really his team it was it was kyle lowry's team because he was the established guy in toronto who had been there for the majority of his career and Kawhi was there because he was in a position of limbo in his career so yeah I i could definitely see putting it putting a lot on Kawhi Leonard in terms of the leadership aspect of who to blame. And, for. and, and he's got, and he has, and you know, it's like, shit, it's, it's not just his team. You know, Paul George is a big time name and Bev and Montrez had been there doing that. Well, and that's the problem is they had a lot of guys. They had a lot of guys who not named Kawhi Leonard barking and putting a lot of, of stuff out there and not really backing it up. So, they didn't. They yeah, didn't really so cash a lot of the checks like, they had. I feel like this just needs to be a kick in the nuts to realize you can't turn it on, and they should run it back next year because the talent's there, the roster, the coaching, it's all there. There's no excuses, um, no good ones at least. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, you definitely have to put blame on Kawhi and PG just because in this game seven is so critical. This. This is going to get you to a conference finals, a place that this franchise has not seen, and you wanted it to end up in the in the matchup with you and the Lakers. So if you're you're quiet in PG, and you show up to this game, and both of you guys combine for 24 points, I think that's just unacceptable. Now you can put a lot of this decision making on Doc Rivers, whether it be rotations or who we felt was most fit to be in the game at a certain time. That you can give to him, but I think inevitably you have to give it to PG and Kawhi because again unacceptable to just put up 24 points combined now your role players I honestly think that they played solid for them great during the year but in the in the uh, bubble itself Lou Williams played a little poor at times he shot awfully from the three-point line in the playoffs now Montrez Harrell though I will give Montrez Harrell his credit and he played great in this bubble and I don't know if he comes back this next next season. He's gonna, I really he's going to have a strong market in the in, in the free agency this offseason. So. I see. I've seen reports floating around that he might head to Toronto, and if they have the money to pay him, I don't know why he sticks around with this Clipper team. I know they have great talent, but if he saw how it unfolded to a team that just wanted it more, I'd rather go play with the Dogs in Toronto, though. Yeah, I mean, it'll, he's it'll, got to take, take the money. Yeah, yeah, and you'll get paid, too. I think ultimately Trez will take the money, and I don't think he will come back to the Clippers. Um, but that's that's enough Clippers talk. They they didn't live up to the the battle of L.A. That, that we all wanted. They couldn't get it done. And, I mean, 
actually, the only thing I want to say about what? that too, about them barking and stuff like that, it was it was mainly Patrick Beverly that came out and was saying, "We got the next five years. This is us. You know, this is our time." Kind of thing. It was mainly him. Not to say that none of the other players did it either. And in, and in game five specifically, Paul Millsap and Marcus Morris got into it, and uh, Marcus Morris looked at Paul Millsap and was like, "Get ready to go the fuck home." And then that was literally what sparked the Nuggets run in Game Five to come back and win that game, and then ultimately the rest is history. So yeah, so it was a lot of, of barking coming from different sources, and you remember the the infamous um, press conference that uh, Steve Ballmer had with PG and Quiet, and he's going nuts at this yeah. thing. That's just being enthusiastic, and unfortunately, you just got to. Ha- well, the, remember, the deck. remember the video in Vegas of Pat Bev and Lou Will and them running yeah. into LeBron and being like, oh, like, get ready. Near. They they said something uh, along the lines of like, oh, we got this now kind of thing. They, they Again, they just didn't live up to the expectations. And for them, it wasn't a title or, or bust. And, and no, he, and, no, and the, it was a title or bust season for them. And but that's see, what they, they said. And but, they didn't live up to it. Yeah, but. If you ask the way they asked Paul George though, and he said, "Was that on your uh, mind?" That's and, a fucking and, joke. And and they're they're sitting there lying because you assembled this team and you start putting it together because you want to beat a Lakers team that had just gotten assembled. They said, "L.A. our way." Fucking Kawhi had the crown on his key and yeah, that what New, Balance, all those New commercial, Balance commercials about Kawhi. Streetlights over spotlights. Get out of here. L.A. L.A. will forever be a Lakers town. So I mean, the Clippers just need to. Scrap the Inglewood Arena and move to Seattle. That that's what I've always said. I know Tyler doesn't want that, but yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be down with that. I just don't think it's gonna happen. But all Why right, would you leave LA? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's not smart business wise. But anyway, let's let's talk about what's actually going on in the Western Conference Finals, though. Now, because the Lakers are up two to nothing on the Denver Nuggets. Game one was a very dominant performance by the Lakers. The Nuggets looked out of gas, in my opinion, after going through another 3-1 comeback to beat the Clippers. And LeBron didn't need to even really do all that much box score-wise in game one, but the way he controlled the game and was setting up his teammates, I thought it was great. Uh, He was typical facilitator LeBron. And in game two, he had a dominant first half, but he struggled in the second half. And he even said after the game that he didn't play well in the second half and that Anthony Davis really stepped up to put the team on his back. And game two overall was really a completely different story uh, compared to game one. I don't think that the Lakers deserve to win that game at all. Give the Nuggets credit. There is no lead too big or too small that is safe against them. They they gave the Lakers everything they had in game two, but they missed some free throws that were key down the stretch that could have put the game on ice. And then in comes Anthony Davis to win the game for the Lakers at the buzzer. Like LeBron said, AD really put the Lakers on his back in the second half. Anthony Davis shot 8 of 14 in the second half of game two, while the rest of the Lakers team as a whole shot 8 of 27. And then, obviously, with 2.1 seconds left, Rajon Rondo inbounds the ball after Danny Green's shot attempt got blocked out of bounds by Jamal Murray. Rondo passes it out to AD, who cuts to the wing behind the three-point line, and he nails the game-winning three-pointer 
to seal the game three victory as the buzzer sounds. AD is now 14 of 29, which is 48.3% on shots to tie or take the lead in the final 24 seconds of a game. That is the best field goal percentage of any player since 1997 with 25 or more field goal attempts in that scenario. So, I mean, AD said after the game, that's one of the reasons why he wanted to to come to L.A. was to make a mark with his legacy, to take big shots, to make big shots, to do it in big moments in the playoffs, to go win championships, and he delivered. So, I mean, I was going crazy. I was going crazy during that uh, last play. It was, I mean, incredible to see the way. I mean, he literally yelled Kobe as he was running off celebrating to go to his teammates and, and and celebrate winning the game. It was, I mean, it was it was poetic. So, but at the same time the Lakers didn't deserve to win that game at all. But that's what can happen when you have a duo like LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team. So, it, I mean, Tyler, what, what were you thinking during those last seconds of the game and, and when Rondo inbounded that ball? Well, yeah, I mean, I think like you said, you know, that's what great players do, kind of win games they're not really supposed to win. Um, I think great athletes and team sports in general, that's kind of a, just like a signature. Because, um, I mean, they really shouldn't have issues with the Nuggets. Nuggets play hard. Uh, Nuggets, you know, are a competitive squad, so you have to put them away. And AD did, and this is like one of his, this will be his, you know. His, it's his first like, signature LeBron. moment as a Laker, I think. Yeah, it was like watching LeBron hit that game winner against Orlando. Um, in 2009 or whatever it was. Yeah, that was a big um, one. And it was game two, Eastern Conference Finals, everything, you know. Uh, you know, it's a, yeah, it's, I, I don't think it's going to be anything that's like the top of his moments. This, you know, Ed Davis is going to have a special career, but this is definitely his first big kind of like legitimate NBA superstar moment. Yeah, you this know, the is, whole world's watching. This is the biggest stage he's played on. Like he he made the playoffs a couple of times in New Orleans, but it, that's not the same as playing in the playoffs for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I mean, everyone makes the cliche when they wear the Mamba jerseys that they're doing it for Kobe and, and all of that. But it's like that really means something, I think, to to people that wear the Lakers uniform and those guys on the team right now. So they, they take that seriously. And I mean, Frank Vogel said it, that, that, that was a Mamba shot. I mean, I, we've witnessed countless, uh, countless Kobe Bryant buzzer beaters, game winners, uh, sending games to overtime. And I mean, it was, it was a big time. It was picture perfect. Jacob, what about you? What were you thinking? Well, I knew it was going to go to Davis only because he had the hot hand and it didn't really make sense to go to James. What's crazy was is he put up, I think, 31-9 and nine last night in game two and he didn't dunk the ball once. Yeah, they were all jump shots. He put on a clinic. I really think he has a mismatch in this series because Jokic, great player, but I wouldn't say he's the best defender on the ball and... There's not really another person on this Nuggets team, a big wise, that can sit there and uh, and stand in front of Davis. 
and shut him down. I really don't think there is. So as much as Le- LeBron has a mismatch at times, they have enough guys. Jeremy Grant's doing a good job, and sometimes they throw Paul Millsap on him. But I like the way he's him and Rondo are just controlling the tempo of the game. With Davis, though, Davis has one-on-one mismatches, and he has the green light. I think there isn't a single big man in the NBA right now that has an equivalent skill set to Anthony Davis. I mean, he was cooking Nikola Jokic out on the perimeter. I remember one play uh, specifically. He was on, uh, I guess, the left wing, and he did one move and then put it behind his back, dribbled past Jokic and did a reverse layup, and I was like, seven-footers are not supposed to do that. Like, he's an incredible force to watch on offense and and the clinic he put on last night was spectacular to watch on defense too. I mean, the late, the Lakers only allowed 103 points to the nuggets in game two that, I mean, the nuggets are a high powered offense. Jamal Murray was going for 50 points in consecutive games earlier this playoffs. Like what the Lakers have done to be able to contain the nuggets in the first two games has been really encouraging I just didn't like how in game two the offense just looked very stagnant. It it really felt a lot more like the feel-out game, game ones kind of we saw in the first two series that the Lakers played against Portland and Houston. Um, Tyler, what did you think about the offense? And, and it was kind of stagnant a bit in, in game two, but ultimately they were able to pull it out and get the victory. Yeah, I think they're just still kind of, you know, trying to find the hot hand. There's a lot of new, you know, relatively new pieces. I mean, they do play, they play their guys a lot, but Rondo hasn't been around, you know. So they're still trying to find their identity, I feel like, with closing games. And who's the hot shooter? I mean, Danny Green hasn't been consistent. Caldwell Pope's had, you know. He's been been great in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It's just, so, so now, you know, I think that, why the offense is tough is like where we put, you know, how do we distribute these minutes? How do we keep hot hands on the floor? Just constantly work in progress with the Lakers with that kind of stuff, just because of the, the big names. And then also, you know, they just went from playing small ball to now they're playing Jokic. Right. So it's like, you know, with Dwight Howard and centers, um, you've, you know, kind of completely switched up your, your plan of attack. So, uh, and then, you know, with LeBron being your best player and a facilitator, these things kind of happen. If everybody's not doing their job, your best player's not out there forcing up shots. So uh, that's why it was important that Ant kind of closed it, closed the door because, you know, when LeBron's facilitating and no one's hitting shots, you need someone to kind of close it. Totally. And you, you brought up Dwight Howard. I, I have to give big-time props to Dwight who didn't play at all in the Houston series just because he didn't really provide a benefit matchup-wise in that series. But he was engaged and involved on the bench as a teammate, and that's super important and and really such a big sign of growth for Dwight. And he's been absolutely incredible through these first two games of the series. He has solely been used to contain, bully, annoy, just be a pest for Nikola Jokic. And it has been working so well. I know there's been a lot of talk, especially by Nuggets fans on Twitter, about the refs in favoring the Lakers in game one. But 
in game two, the Nuggets shot more free throws than the Lakers. It was 33 to 19. And I mean, I, I don't want to get into the refs and all of that, but either way, Dwight has been absolutely incredible in the minutes he's played and done a great job at containing Nikola Jokic. And I mean, Tyler, the Diaz brothers always say, stay ready, don't got to get ready. And that's, that's exactly what Dwight's done. Yeah. And that's what, you know, being a professional is all about. And like you said, that's the growth of Dwight Howard always, you know, I've kind of always been defensive of him because I think he's had a great career, but this is just, this is a, this is a really nice way for him to end. I thought his career was kind of going to end on a really sad note and kind of just peter off into oblivion. But um, yeah, Dwight's important to this team. Yeah. I got to give Dwight a lot of credit. He's been playing great. He's just active. I think that's the, the key part to this Lakers success in these past two games. But what I really like about this team though, and he factors into it is that the Lakers, Coming into the season, when they did get Dwight, you knew they were going to be a hassle to play on the you know on the defensive end because they have three seven footers with him, Davis, and McGee. But he didn't play in that Houston series, just like you mentioned, Eric. But I think what's great about this team is that they're very interchangeable. So he didn't play in the Houston series, and they slid over McGee, moved him to the bench, and they put in Markeith, which yeah. I like. And this team now they can keep going in and out of those lineups. So it's like now you play a Nuggets team. And you can go big at times because they only have one seven footer that's really good. I mean, you have Plumlee on the bench, but right. he's not really a factor at times. But Plumlee also can be used in a small ball lineup where exactly. a Marquise Morris could be a benefit and to the Lakers. And he could just match up with him. So I think Dwight really adds to that because McGee doesn't have to play big minutes in the series, especially if Dwight is really McGee's active. Been, JaVale McGee's been, uh, in my opinion, terrible. For but he's lack of a better but, but term. But to me, but, he still has that experience he had with the Warriors. And again, it's just another seven footer to have. No, man. and he he provides a length and, and rim protection, but I think the main reason why Frank Vogel hasn't made the switch from Dwight to the starting lineup is just to keep the familiarity of the rotations that everybody's been used to. So I don't think we'll see a lineup change. See, but in terms I always, of that, I always said this too, though. I like Davis at the five as much as he does not want to play the five, and he says he's a four. Well, he said he said that that was just a regular season thing that he's he's like ready to play it. Yeah. In, the, in the playoffs, kind I, of. I thing. know he's a little bit more like he's not as durable as a traditional five is, but I think he needs to play the five more. Look yeah. at how much more successful this team is, and he has been. So, I think that it's um, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this series plays out because i mean it has to be demoralizing for the nuggets to lose the way they did when they're winning with less than a minute to go and then they miss some key free throws down the stretch i'm honestly nervous though for game three i think it could be a trap game and and the nuggets are going to make some adjustments to where they could steal one from the lakers in game three but at the same time like like i said tyler doesn't losing the at the buzzer like that over yeah like losing at the buzzer like that after giving the lakers probably their best punches the lakers could just come out again and dominate like they did in game one and go up 3-0 it's over man it's just too too much they've gone through so much this this nuggets team in the bubble um if they muster up a win it's it would be very you know commendable i think that the lakers gonna sweep now i will give the nuggets this their best opportunity to win 
is me is me voting against him. Yeah, I, if I, I pick the Nuggets count, to every lose, time I, every time I count these fuckers out, they prove me wrong. They're just like the um, Vikings, huh? Except, yeah, god damn it, <laughs> I can't wait for that. You know, the second I give them props, they just turn their back on me. Uh, but yeah, nah, it's, it's uh, I think it's over for the Nuggets. It's just too. It would be really hard to muster up the energy to to play this team right now after playing a really good game and losing. Well, you got to give the Lakers credit on defense. Um, this Nuggets team hasn't had explosion games from Jokic or Murray, and that's and that's crediting all of that yeah. to the Lakers defense. I mean, I don't know what else you do uh, for the Nuggets. You just have to hope that you hit some of these shots. Gary Harris has to play Car- better. Caruso's. Russo's big time, man. That Dude, he's making so many winning plays out there. He's a championship basketball player. The kid can play anywhere for any team, anytime. The dude knows how to play basketball. He brings energy. He brings consistency, athleticism. I just, yeah, I mean, he he's he's guarding people that just like probably didn't even know who he was two years ago. Yeah. You know, I, I need Kuz so to step up more. See, I think he he's the X factor as far as him Kuz, him and him Kuz and Michael is, Porter Jr. are the X factors for their teams. They both have to play like, great for both of them to to come up in the series. I like that little side battle that's been going on with Kuz and, and Michael Porter. Well, I, I like it's, it in a sense though Kuz. because Kuz Kuz is making it a very personal battle during the games, and that to no, me like hasn't it. looked good though. Those guys are going to be when contracts come around. They're going to be in the same. It's like, hey, yeah. you know, like. The, no, 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 I, I know the, of, the competitiveness is great to see, but no, I'm agreeing with. You. Yeah, I'm yeah, I just you. don't like it's who's taking battle. it a personal route for it. No, and you then, got, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to, yeah. you got to put that, you got to put that kid away. I agree. Um, and and I think that Kuz is like I'm not I'm not overcritical with him because I think he might have the hardest role on the team. Oh, for sure he Braun, does. For sure he I does. Braun and Ant, obviously, Braun and Ant carry the pressure of the superstar label and the name. But Kuzma, it's, it's got to be so hard for him to figure out where to fit in. He's got to just work his tail off on defense. And offense, is, it's hard. I mean, he's got to be really smart and aware and not overthink. Yeah. You know, because he needs to let it fly. But he's also, like, the third, fourth wheel coming off the bench, plays the same position as Braun. It's it's tough. And so I try not to be hypercritical because I think not doing too much is good for Kuzma. Keep it simple. Yeah, and I mean, we, we talked about it. He said that he wants to be the the third most effective player out there, not the third option on offense kind of thing. And I just, for me, I just don't think he's been as effective in the first two games of this series as he was in the Houston series. So I just, I'm looking for a little bit more from him. But I, I think he, I think he's, he's getting there, and he, he definitely has shown that he can contribute at a at a certain level to a playoff team. Well, and he's he's not out there like freaking Jordan Clarkson jacking shit up. You know, he's not. Right. He's not doing too much. He's not messing up, but he he may not be doing enough, you know. You know, he may be able to do more, but I think at least he's he's not doing too much. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately I got to go with the Lakers going up 
because I, I got to ride with my team. Is that is that the consensus with, with the two of you as well? Yeah, I got to go for I mean, I just – I don't see the Nuggets getting the game in. They're just outmatched. I don't know. I still feel like they can win a game or two. And two would be kind of pushing it, but I still think that they can put it together and somehow get a victory in one of these next two games. Well, they they definitely have to win game three. So – it's it's one step at a time for the Nuggets, but ultimately uh, the Lakers have this series. I mean, if there's up, any better opinion, team who knows one step at a time, it's them in these past two series. They've proved us wrong time and time again. But all right, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Heat and the Celtics. That series, the Heat are up two to one. Game four is on Wednesday night after the league gave the Heat and Celtics some time off to allow the Western Conference Finals to catch up and get back on the same every-other-day schedule as the Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat won the first two games, and after Game 2, there were some alleged post-game fireworks in the Celtics' locker room, according to multiple reports inside the arena. And then the Celtics were able to respond and win by 11 in Game 3. Gordon Hayward did make his return in Game 3. He only had six points but he played 31 minutes, so they clearly want to have Gordon Hayward out there as a contributor for Boston. We knew this series was going to be really fun, but what do you guys think has been the most surprising for you this series? I think clearly it was going to be 2-1 after three games because of math, obviously. Three games, it's going to be 2-1 either way. But I just was not expecting Boston to come out so flat in the first two games based off of what they were doing prior to the Eastern Conference Finals in the playoffs. But Miami came in and punched them right in the mouth in game one, and they didn't let up in game two. Uh, obviously, that led to Boston reaching a boiling point, and they were able to transfer that energy and, and win game three. But, uh, Tyler, what do you what, what have you been most surprised about? Well, first of all, score there can be another outcome. It could be three zero. No, you're right. That's so, fair. No, that's fair. But, I mean, I picked the Heat to win in seven. So a lot of this series, I mean, two one Heat up. Uh, I like the Celtics to tie it up at two two. I think they coming out the gate. Spolstra's game plan was just superior. Um, they had they, yeah. He was they, coaching they, circles they, around Brad Stevens in the first two games. And so they executed just like what they wanted to do. And they had a better game plan with, you know, how they were going to defend uh, more. And I also think that, you know, this Heat team has got a lot of young guys that are trying to really make a name for themselves with Hero and Bam and Kendrick Nunn and uh, and Duncan Robinson. So it's like, I just think that they're, they're ready to go. They want to be the they want to be there, they, and they're being led by Jimmy, who I think is the alpha dog, like I said, in the Eastern Conference. Um, it's just the perfect mix. They're, they're, you know, they're being led by the alpha dog. They're hungry. They're ready to go, and ultimately, I think they're going to win the series. I got to give this Heat team a lot of credit on the defensive end. They've just played so great on that end of the floor. And now the Celtics, they have a lot of players, a lot of utility players. You know, they can handle the ball. They can shoot the ball. Um, great passers. But the way that that the, that the Heat rotate on defense in those first two games was incredible. I've, I haven't seen anything like that in a while. Um, and they're honestly, in those first two games, though, they were just hungry for that win. 
And you have a lot of guys like Tyler say that are just hungrier for, um, you know, to, to make their, 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 um, to basically get their name in this league. And right now they just wanted completely more than, than the Celtics. Now the Celtics great adjustments in, in game three, but I always said coming into the series that the biggest key for them was going to be Kemba Walker. And he played almost poor in game one. He had a good half in game two. Uh, and Gordon Hayward was another key too. And he, he we, they get him back for game three, obviously they win, but those are going to be keys for them if they want to tie this series up. Yeah. I think Kemba Walker definitely has to be that floor general and dictate the pace of the game. Uh, I mean, you're definitely getting all you can from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and, and, and Marcus, Marcus Smart. Smart. Man, Marcus Smart. I got to tip my hat off to that guy. He has played great yeah. in this bubble. Uh, so, I mean, Tyler, you have the Heat winning the series, but you have Boston tying it up in game four to go 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that they'll they'll counter with their own two-game win streak, and then we'll be in a three-game series. Uh, and, you know, I, I really just think that coming down to a game seven, I think Jimmy Butler will just be the guy on the court that leads the team to victory. Uh, nothing against the Celtics. I think the Celtics are probably a better and more talented team. And I actually like Spolstra more than Stevens. Uh, or I actually like Stevens more than Spolstra. But Jimmy, man, I just, I can't, I cannot bet against him against any of these Eastern Conference teams right now. Yeah. And I mean, Jimmy, I feel like he's just making it look so easy out there. And it's funny, too, because he doesn't necessarily touch the ball a lot in the first three quarters. I think he had 14 points total in game one. He's not scoring a lot of points. It's just in those final moments of these games, he gets the touches. You can lead a basketball team without throwing up the rock, you know. No, I know. People don't want to believe it. And and it's, you know, if you play basketball, you can tell, man, sometimes he's talking – He's talking on defense. He's talking on offense. He's passing the ball. He's getting rebounds. You know, he's switching. It's That's what Jimmy Butler brings. He controls the entire game. He controls the four other pieces that are on his team. He knows what the five other guys are going to do on the other team. I mean, that's what came from that epic practice where he punked the Timberwolves. Yeah, exactly. It, he didn't score a point in that game that they beat the ones. Yeah, and he, he was with four third stringers. Because he was controlling the game. He was getting – he made his guys believe, like, I'm a cut and Jimmy's going to hit me with this pass. And if I bust my ass on defense, Jimmy's – you know, he's going to make sure we get the ball. And it's play, spe, certain special players, man, when they're on the court in basketball, can truly control a 10-man team sport. And Jimmy right now has that control. Totally. So, I mean – I think ultimately that Boston wins game four and ties it up and and we get that three-game series where anything can happen. But it's going to be fun. I'm still sticking with Boston to win the series just because I want that Lakers-Boston NBA Finals for the 10 year anniversary, Jacob, are, what are you going with? Are you, are you switching to Miami? Oh, or? No, no, I still, I still have Boston. I think that they, they made the right adjustments and it's great that they got Hayward back. But again, Kemba really has to step it up. He has to play well. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I mean, listen, the next time we record, we might have an NBA finals matchup already. 
So it oh. it's coming down it's coming down to the wire. The season's almost over and the the Lakers are right where they should be and it's the Eastern Conference is going to be a fun time. So all right, let's let's hit the gridiron. I'm just about that action, boss. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. That's why we took the damn field. I'm just here so I won't get fired. Great cash, homie. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's as good an effort as I've ever seen in my life from a running back. Don't you ever talk about me. Wilson. Toward the end zone. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Speaking of Greg the Leg, man, he saved the Cowboys this weekend. Yes, yes, he did. So uh, before we get into all that, uh, we didn't even realize it last week, but Tyler and I played each other in the TSK Show Fantasy Football League, and Tyler kicked my ass. So uh, he ended up beating me 173.74 to... 127.38 who who did you have go off again tyler i'm sick of i'm sick of looking at the fantasy app it was uh i mean i ended up having i started three running backs so i started to flex a running back and all three guys were top 10 performers so i think really just it just uh week one none of my running backs hit and then week two they all hit and then obviously uh, Kyler Murray has been my leading scorer uh, the first two weeks, so I've gotten consistent play there. But, you know, really it was my running backs. So I had three 20-point performers from David Montgomery, Kareem Hunt, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think that that's, that's going to be pretty tough to beat when your running backs give you 65, 70 points. Yeah, and Julio only giving me 3.4 points was – quite the disappointment my defensive players didn't really do all of that much so it was i was what's good is i was no match survived. for survived what's what's good is you survived the injury gauntlet of week two well speaking of that injury gauntlet my eight-man league i lost 173.2 to 148 and saquon barkley was my number one Ooh. pick for or my first round pick second overall pick of the draft uh he is out for the year and Le'Veon Bell is on IR so my two main running backs are down in that league so it's not looking good for me there how did you do in your other league uh other leagues Tyler um I split them I went one and one again same um so uh it was it was solid in in the other leagues I I lost in a close one um, Cam Newton ultimately all those rushing touchdowns and rushing yards uh, ended up beating me, uh, and then I got I got one good convincing win in my other league. Yeah, in my ten man league. So, well, what's so up? Two convincing wins. So two convincing wins and a close loss. So it was a good week for me. Yeah, you went two and one. Uh, in my ten man league, I won one fifty seven point six two to one thirty one point seven eight. I had Aaron Jones obviously go off. He accumulated 46.6 points for me and then Russell Wilson gave me 33.42 points there so that was my first victory of the year in any league uh, for fantasy so that was nice to get but 
fantasy has been very frustrating for me. And obviously, when all those injuries came into play, that obviously shakes things up for a lot of people. Uh, how much did it shake up the TSK Show Power Rankings, Tyler? Tyler? Well, I think it's going to shake it up big time, you know, losing guys like Saquon and 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 uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the power structure is definitely going to change a little bit. So I think it's going to help you. And then the bye weeks are coming up, so you're never out of it in fantasy football. Well, no, I'm, I meant how did the injury shake up the TSK show power rankings? I think we lost some sort of connection there for a second. Oh, oh shit, I'm sorry, my bad. I no, you're I good. Uh, we're going back to real life here. Okay. Yes, yes. So so how did all the injuries affect the TSK show power rankings? Well, you know, they they weren't quite as, um, you know, they weren't, it wasn't quite as a catastrophe for the real life teams in the rankings because, A, I wasn't very high on Carolina. So, you know, they just basically went bad to worse. Uh, I think New Orleans will be able to, you know, kind of, survive without michael thomas for now um and then the giants like you know i wasn't very high you know i didn't think they were a playoff team this year anyways so uh it didn't shake up the power rankings too much uh i didn't hold it new orleans was really the only one affected by it uh and i didn't hold it against them too much did michael thomas end up playing in the monday night game that just ended uh a a little bit ago no he didn't no he'll be out probably I think he'll end up sitting maybe four weeks. Oh, wow. But okay. I, I hope so because, man, high ankle sprains, and you come back from them, you just re-injure them. It's, it's such a it, – high ankle sprain in fantasy world is, is a nightmare. Yes, so, it is. But, but them losing tonight to, to Las Vegas might, might uh, push him back faster. So, all right, why don't you run through it real quick. Give us the TSK Show Power Rankings for week three. All right, well, uh, coming in at number 10, um, we're going to start out with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a team that I was kind of cautious on just because of Big Ben's elbow uh, being a non-contact injury. He's so pivotal to their success. Uh, But he looks good. Uh, He looks good enough, at least, for them to win games. Benny Snell has kind of emerged as as at least a peer to James Conner, maybe even the lead back eventually. Um, Their wide receivers, Deontay Johnson's playing great. James Washington has been there three years now, so he knows the deal, and Juju's a star. So uh, we know what Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers defense looks like. We know what Big Ben looks like, and they got young talent around him. So I think that this team's going to be solid. Um, I didn't know if they were going to be competitive or not, just purely off of Ben's elbow, but he's looking good. Uh, coming at number nine, I got the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, just barely squeaking one out. They got uh, real lucky. Yeah, but I mean, man, the Falcons, you just, you can't, this team is, is so weird. I mean, we talk about all the time. I say it a lot that I just don't know if they can ever get past that Super Bowl collapse being the Dan Quinn, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones show. I don't know if that three headed monster can get over that. I mean, it just, you can see it. They just collapse. Um, so Dallas, and Dallas showed you know resilience, and they showed that they can score the ball and push the ball. Um, their defense has been a little banged up with with injuries, but 
uh, I think that they'll be able to figure out a way to play good enough defense to let this offense kind of dominate. So uh, Dallas is probably the most overrated team compared to other lists you may see, but I just – them on paper is too good. Uh, moving at number eight, we got the surprising Los Angeles Rams. Let's go. At 2-0. Two, at two and oh. um, Again, you know, they got the they got the pillars on defense. Um, and I think that McVay's dialed in. And I really do believe that the running back by committee, <laughs> the running back by committee has been big time for them. Um, so they're getting a lot of like, they're getting a lot of uh, quality rushing out of fresh guys and keeping it moving. Uh, coming in at number seven, I got the 2-0 and Buffalo Bills. Um, a lot of these teams, a lot of my top 10 teams won their games. So it's a, it's a pretty similar order to last week, but Josh Allen's looking like a stud. Um, their defense is well-coached uh, and, and really talented. The Buffalo Bills, I think if they can find some consistency on running back, I don't know if they're sold on Singletary or Zach Moss. So if they find some consistency with their running game, they're going to be uh, pretty tough to stop in the AFC. Uh, and I also think that they're the favorite to win the NFC East right now. And then moving into number six, we got Rodgers and the Cheeseheads. Man, Rodgers is on one this year. I definitely think that Rodgers and uh, Russell Wilson are the two kind of MVP candidates out the first two games. I would agree with that. <laughs> so, you know, we know Rodgers is kind of single-handedly doing his thing. Aaron Jones popped off. He's a versatile guy. He's got plenty of weapons on offense, which was kind of a concern. Uh, but he's making it work. And then moving into number five, I got the same top five as I had last year. Last week, um, just a little rearranged. Uh, number five, I got Tampa Bay. They were number five last year. They're at one and one. It looks like they're they're kind of you know they're going to slowly find who they are. They committed more to the run game. Uh, it looked they, the announcers even said it, but it looked as if they were calling more of a t- Tom Brady offense in week two versus a Bruce Arians offense in week one because. Like I said, you know, Bruce Arians likes to push the ball, whereas Tom Brady uh, has been kind of a dink and dunk game manager his whole life, uh, relying on a good defensive run game. So uh, I think they're moving towards that. Leonard Fournette had a nice little showing. So uh, I think they'll get more and more play out of him as he learns uh, learns the, the playbook. Now, the top four, this was really hard to do. New Orleans made it a little easier by losing to Vegas. So I'm going to put uh, New Orleans at number four. Obviously, if you lose a game, you have some things you need to sharpen up. Uh, we know what the, the Saints are about. Uh, maybe they're missing Michael Thomas more than they thought, but they had a big-time lead on, on on Vegas, and they let it go to a team that is not as talented as they are. But hats off to Vegas getting that dub. Um, but I got the Saints at number four. They're still a top-tier team in the league. Uh, but, yeah, you can't, you can't lose and be, be number one. Uh, coming at number three, I got Kansas City. Uh, they were number one last week. Wow. And why I have them at number three is because they struggled the most. I mean, when it came to, to these top four teams, uh, Kansas City struggled with uh, Justin Herbert-led uh, Los Angeles Chargers team. So they obviously have some things they need to tighten up, just like every other football team. Uh, uh, right? They're, they're, they're Super Bowl favorites still. Uh, but I can't, I can't, I can't put them above the the two teams I got at one and two. Uh, 
coming in at number two, I'll go with my 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 squad, the Seattle Seahawks. I think that they had the more impressive two and O victories. Their offense is just dialed in; they're ready to go. Um, like I said, Russell Wilson, I think, is outside of Rodgers, has played at the MVP level. Um, and then Baltimore, number one. So ultimately, I think Baltimore and Seattle have had the the fewest amount of slip ups. Whereas Kansas City and New Orleans, New Orleans obviously lost, and Kansas City struggled with the Chargers team. So I think Baltimore number one right now because of you know their defense and their offensive balance, their running game, uh, Mark Ingram and and Lamar Jackson. I just think that they're the best football team in the league right now. They're rolling off of 14 regular season victories in a row, I think. So uh, I give them a slight edge over Seattle right now. All right. Well, I mean, listen, you made solid cases for all 10 of those teams. So I think that, I mean, I can't, I can't really make any arguments with that. Why don't you run through all 10 real quick one more time and then we'll move on to picks of the week. Yep. So I think these top four teams are definitely the class of the NFL right now. Baltimore, Seattle, Kansas City, New Orleans. And then I went Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Buffalo, Los Angeles Rams, Dallas Cowboys, and Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Well, before we make our picks of the week, this segment of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by Jay Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539. Or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 02068311. All right, Jacob, how did you do last week with your picks? We'll go through all the records first, and then we'll make our picks for week three. Well, I actually did pretty good. There was a couple losses that I was not hoping for. Like, I did not see the Cowboys win, but um, what can you do there? Uh, And then also the Raiders game, too. I did not pick them, but ultimately I had... Four losses. Okay, so four losses. You went uh, 12 and four. Yeah. What's your overall record? Do you remember? Uh, I do not have the overall record, but okay. I mean, so far it's been okay. I did a lot better in week two than I did in week one. All right. Well, make sure you get your overall record, and we'll we'll update everyone next week uh, where you're at three weeks in. Tyler, how did you do last week, and what was your what's your overall record at now? I crushed it. I mean, the fucking Vikings screwed me over. But I went fourteen and two. There you go. Good shit. Um, Vikings and and then the Monday night game with the with the Raiders upsetting uh, New Orleans. So what's your overall record at now? So now I'm sitting at twenty four and eight. Pretty solid. There you go. So I'm uh, I went thirteen and three in week two. So I had a really good week. The only ones that I got wrong were the the Cowboys winning, the Colts winning and uh new orleans losing or no i picked indianapolis to win last week and they lost so um, if only someone told you guys that the cowboys were gonna win (laughs) so my overall record is 23 and 9 so i'm one game behind tyler nice so all right the thursday night matchup this week is the battle of florida well one Two parts of Florida. The Miami Dolphins going to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Both teams coming in at 0-2. But Gardner Minshew, man, Tyler and I watched this game 
uh, together Sunday morning. It was, I mean, they with, almost with Wazoo alum. Yeah, with Waz with a bunch of Wazoo alum, and they were going ham for Gardner. And I mean, he almost did it. Uh, unfortunately, he threw a pick uh, on the last yeah. drive to ultimately lose the game. But I got Jacksonville winning this game because uh, yeah. I'm I'm riding the Gardner tra- Gardner Minshew train. Yeah, I think Jacksonville wins this game. I mean, Minshew's a special passer. I mean, this kid kid knows how to throw the rock, and they're going to be down a lot. So uh, he's going to get a lot of opportunity to throw the ball. They don't have a great run game, but I think putting the ball in his hands is going to be fun this year. Uh, they might not win a ton of games, but Minshew's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, how shitty is it, though, that they put Cleveland-Cincinnati the first Thursday night game for week two and then the Miami and Jacksonville week three? Yeah, these Thursday night <laughs> games are not so good. Not, hey, but you know what? At this point in time, I'll watch them. Not off to a hot start with the Thursday night that, games. This, I'll take this it. Was, that's, what it, that's what a classic Thursday night game used to be like. Yeah. But them getting away from the divisional games, I think, is a bad move. Yeah, I agree I with think, that. I, th- I, I think I think the divisional color rush uniform concept was perfect because you're always going to get a competitive football game when it's a divisional opponent. Yeah, that's what makes that's what would have made this Thursday is, night this special. Dar- this is just, this is just dog shit. It was like, <laughs> how, how, do, how, do, how does Houston have to play Kansas City and Baltimore? In their first two weeks, neither one of them. Like Jacksonville's getting a Thursday night game with Miami. It's just, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's weird. It's a head scratcher, but you know. So who who you got winning, Jacob? <laughs> uh, I'm taking Jacksonville in this one. All right, so all three of us are on the Jaguars for that. Uh, the Sunday slate of games, we got a full slate. The first game we got is the Chicago Bears, surprisingly coming in at two and zero. They're going down to Atlanta. Uh, to take on the Falcons, who are coming in at 0-2 off another late-game collapse. I don't know how they lost to the Cowboys. It it was just atrocious, uh, but I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm picking the Chicago Bears to go 3-0 and to start the season. It's I, no, I just I, I can't pick Atlanta to win this game. I got I to gotta go with Atlanta at home after – after that embarrassing loss, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have some sort of, you know, bounce back performance, I feel like. And Chicago's a nitty gritty team kind of try They're going to try and play it close, but I think that Atlanta's passing a will may be able to open up the score and Chicago won't be able to throw with them. I hope, I hope you're right for fantasy football sake with Julio Jones, but I mean, I don't know, just the way that Atlanta yeah. collapsed they're they're done in my opinion. I still yeah, gotta I mean, go with the Falcons, more, though. I mean, Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan and the coaching staff have been awful with using Julio in the red zone uh, his whole career, and it's they have this late game collapse thing to them. They just they need to switch it up. Yeah. So, all right, uh, you fire, get- fire the coach, fire the coach, trade Matt Ryan for Matt Stafford, and we got <laughs> we talked about that on. Sunday. <laughs> We got a whole new life in Atlanta. You get hire some new, young, flashy offensive coordinator, head coach, trade for Stafford, big bang, boom. It could work. It could work. Don't trade Julio. No, that no, that that would be a cardinal sin. But all right, the next game we got, it's a top ten matchup 
from the TSK show power rankings. We got the Los Angeles Rams coming in at two and zero, traveling to the East Coast once again. I believe they flew back to LA. They they didn't stay on the East Coast, um, but they're going to Buffalo to take on the number seven team in the TSK show power rankings. So the Buffalo Bills also coming in at two and zero. This is going to be a big test for I think both teams. I think both teams are at a crossroads in their franchises trajectories where the Rams are coming off uh, two years removed from the Super Bowl they're locking all their guys up with contract extensions going all in with the team that they have and they're starting off 2-0 and and then on the opposite side the Buffalo Bills with young quarterback Josh Allen making the big trade to get a number one target in Stefan Diggs and really going all in with the Buffalo Bills and that core and making the playoffs, uh, I believe last year. I, I don't, Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the Bills made the playoffs last year or the year before that. What was it? Last year, it last, it last two years year. actually. Okay, yeah. So, it, exactly. Sorry, my brain's all over the place. Uh, but these these teams are at a crossroads in their in their franchises' trajectories, and this is going to be a huge game. Obviously, I'm going with the Rams because I got to go with my team. But this is not going to be as easy of a game as I think it traditionally would be going to Buffalo to play the Buffalo Bills as we know. No, them. You hear, yeah, you hear the Bills, you think of uh, an easy win, but this is going to be a big test for Buffalo's defense and Rams offense. Yep. Uh, I think that the, 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 other, the other matchup, you know, favors the Rams, I think, but uh, if the Buffalo's defense you know, plays really well against the Rams, they win that game. If Rams come out and they and they score a lot of points, I think that they win. But ultimately, I'm going to go with Buffalo at home against your guys, uh, <laughs> purely because I think that the defense is going to be able to kind of contain McVay's uh, offense. If Jared Goff comes out and plays the way he played against Philadelphia, I mean, he was putting on a clinic, and I got a shout. Good. I got a shout out Tyler Higby as well. The tight end getting three touchdowns. Uh, Daryl Henderson got his first NFL touchdown. Uh, that kind of running back, running back by committee. Cam Akers got hurt. Uh, the rookie he separated some rib cartilage, so he's day to day. But Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson stepped up and really took the running game and and did a good job with it. Uh, the defense made some great plays. Uh, secondary came up with some huge picks. So, I mean, if Buffalo does what Philly did to the front line of the defense, the Rams are going to have problems because I got to give Philly a lot of credit. And they didn't give up one sack against the Rams, and they gave up eight in week one. And that's that's really where we thought the Rams were going to have an advantage, especially with Aaron Donald. So, I mean, I think the Rams are going to ultimately win. Uh, I'm also riding with them because they're my team. But, Jacob, what about you? I'm taking the Rams on this one, too. I think, again, this year, a lot of people are surprised of how well they've played because, you know, they lost Gurley and they lost other key play, um, key players. But I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year, though. All right, moving along, we got the Washington football team coming in at 1-1. One and one. They're going to Cleveland to take on the Browns, also coming in at 1-1. One and one. I got the Browns winning this game. Uh, I think they're ultimately the better team, and you, I don't really say that much about 
the Cleveland Browns oh, against tr- anybody. Trust me, I had a hard time picking them for this one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I got the Browns winning this game. Tyler, I'm assuming you do as well. Yeah. Jacob? Yeah. Okay. All right, the Tennessee Titans coming in at 2-0. and They're going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings coming in at 1-1. and I got the Titans winning this game on the road. There's there's something about Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, their defense has been spectacular. Uh, I I got the Titans, man. What about you guys? Can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm gonna go with the Vikings. Oh, um, Tyler siding with the Vikings. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel good, but uh, the Titans. You know, Derrick Henry. Everyone everyone knows the game plan, and for the most part, people have done pretty well at containing Henry now. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has been, you know, playing well and throwing the ball well, but I just I'm waiting for this Minnesota defense to kick in, uh, this defensive line uh, to mesh and figure out their rotation, and and the the offense is there. I think I think they're getting enough production. You know, I don't think life after Stephon Diggs is really anything to worry about. They're they're getting plenty of production out of every, kind of a team effort with Cook and Thielen and the rest of the gang. So I like, I mean, I thought Minnesota on paper was the top 10 team before the year started. So I'm going to go with them at home. Jacob, what about you? I got to go with the Titans on this one. I just can't bet on the Vikings and Cousins after watching them throw, was it three picks on Sunday? Yeah, he had three interceptions. I can't can't do that. It was tough. But all right, the next game we got the Las Vegas Raiders coming in at one and one. The surprise victory on Monday Night Football. They debuted Allegiant Stadium, the Death Star, uh, with a victory. Uh, they're coming in at one and one. They're traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots, who are coming in at one and one. Who are com- the Patriots? They're coming off a loss on Sunday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks. But I mean, everything that I saw from Cam Newton looked very promising. What he was able to do with uh i think it was like less than five or six minutes he he was still able to get in two drives for the patriots to to almost come back and win the game it was nothing short of spectacular um i got the patriots winning this game at home i think they're the better team uh than las vegas and i mean i'm all in on cam newton as a patriot he's been phenomenal yep i got i got new england as well they're gonna be they're gonna be in the hunt for the playoffs. They're gonna be right around nine, ten wins, and uh, uh, I think Belichick's loving life. I think he really likes his football team. Yeah, yeah. This Patriots team is honestly kind of fun to watch, though, with Cam. Uh, I mean, obviously, kind of weird seeing him in this jersey and not Brady, but to me, I think it's still great. So you got the you yes, got the so I got the Patriots in this one as well. Okay. All right. The next game. Ooh. And this is really where we get into all the injuries that that took place this Sunday. I mean, it it was like D-Day out there. I don't know if that's a bad comparison because of how. Yeah, I mean, motherfuckers <laughs> were going down right and left. <laughs> yeah. it, I think that's a pretty good comparison. <laughs> so I just I meant it bad comparison in like a disrespectful way to the military. But anyway, I, like Tyler said, it, I mean, guys were going down left and right on Sunday and the 49ers had multiple players go down there. They lost Nick Bosa for the year. I believe they lost Solomon Thomas for the year. Um, I believe they're signing Ziggy Ansah, which is Kittle uh, was out. Yeah. Kittle's out. 
Um, and then so the Niners. Jimmy's a little banged up. Yeah, Jimmy's banged up. Um, didn't. Uh, most, oh, Mostert got hurt was too. Out too. Yeah, Raheem Mostert. Yeah, so I mean, the 49ers are completely banged up. They're going to New York to take on the Giants, who lost Saquon Barkley for the year. He tore his ACL, partially tore his meniscus, his MCL. He he busted his whole knee. So, I mean, I can't believe I'm taking the 49ers because their team is so decimated. But I mean, Saquon is the Giants. That's yeah, without their Saquon, entire team. I think that's fair enough to bet on the 49ers. So yeah, I mean, I got I got the 49ers winning this game. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I got 49ers. Giants are going to struggle to win. Win a game. Uh, yeah, they might not win a game this year. I think you really just got to focus on uh, bringing Daniel Jones along with the passing game. So, Jacob? Yeah, I'm going with the Niners on this one, too. All right, the next matchup we got, the Cincinnati Bengals coming in at 0-2. They're going to Philadelphia to take on uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, also coming in at 0-2. Philly... Uh, I gave them props for the way their uh, offensive line handled the the Rams' defensive line without giving up a sack to Carson Wentz. So, I mean, I got Philly winning this game over the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, Cincinnati with rookie quarterback uh, Joe Burrow. Them losing to Cleveland, I don't think it's as much of a, a big deal. But I just I think Philly is a better team than Cincinnati. So I, I got to go Philly with this. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I got to go Philly. Although this could be, you know, Philly kind of spiraling out of control, just trying to figure out, you know, who they are scrapping for wins. Yeah, they need, to, learn, they need to win this game for their season They're to kind of – trying to figure out how to win, you know. So it's like Burrow could come in and give them one, but I think ultimately uh, Philadelphia is going to win. Jacob? I got to go with my guy, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Honestly, okay. I've, loved, Joe. I, I've loved what I've seen from him in the first two games. He's kept it close. He has made some mistakes. Obviously, it is his first year, but I really love what I've seen for him. So, Bengals it is. All right. Uh, hey, listen, you got to make up some some room in the standings for the, the overall records between the three of us. So, you, yeah. we got to have some, <laughs> some discrepancy. Well, I went with them last week, and it was close, but obviously the Browns pulled that one away. Hey, they were able to get the backdoor cover. Yeah. So, that helped all the gamblers. So, all right, the next matchup we got, the Houston Texans coming in at 0-2. They're going to Pittsburgh to take on the number 10 team in the TSK Show Power Rankings, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are coming in at 2-0. and I'm going with Pittsburgh, even though I think Houston has shown some spots of brightness for their season in the in the first two games. They've they've kind of had a tough draw, but I mean Pittsburgh just looked like they were steamrolling against the Denver Broncos on Sunday. So I got to go with Pittsburgh at home. Yeah, this is another tough draw. Uh, I mean, just another tough non-conference opponent in the AFC. Um, they played them all, so uh, I got I got Pittsburgh winning this. It's it's going to be it's hard to watch this Texans season unfold because I think they are better than what's going on. But man, getting beat beat down like this and playing these good teams week after week, you start questioning things. When really, if they had if they had it, you know one gimme game in those first two games it'd be such a different feeling but they're probably gonna go down 0-3 and it's gonna be really hard to fight back from that 
Jacob, who do you got in this game? I got the Steelers. Again, honestly, I got to agree with Tyler. I think it's just so much that the Texans have a tough schedule. But yeah, uh, but but not taking credit away from the Steelers. I think they've played great these past two games. Definitely. All right, the next matchup we got is the New York Jets going to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. The Jets 0-2, the Colts 1-1. I got the Colts winning this game even though they're missing Marlon Mack. They had uh, – Another injury over the weekend. I can't remember who it was, though. I know I saw Jack Doyle. Oh, yeah. Jack Doyle went down. Um, the Jets, they're the Jets. They look awful. They're going to be missing Le'Veon Bell for a couple more weeks. Um, Sam Darnold hasn't really proven to be the quarterback that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. So I, I got to go with old reliable Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Please throw the ball to T.Y. Hilton, Phillip Rivers. Please. I need some more fantasy points from him. Yeah, I think that they'll be able to control this game and just kind of run it down the Jets' throat. Um, doesn't I, You know, I don't know what's going on with the Jets. It just doesn't look like they have anything going for them right now. You kind of tend to think, like, maybe Adam Gase lost that locker room and they just – I don't know because, you know, Darnold should be playing better than this. Uh, they should have a more competitive defense. Obviously, losing Le'Veon Hurts, but, yeah, man, they look bad. I'm going with the Colts on this one. I doubted Rivers and them last week because I said, I think last week too, that he was looking a little old. Yeah. But, honestly, he, uh, he shut me up, so I got to go with the Colts and him <laughs> this week. All right, the next matchup we got, the Carolina Panthers coming in at 0-2, and they – Obviously lost Christian McCaffrey. Is he out for the season, Tyler? Or is it just going to be a few weeks? I think he's like at the four to six week range right now. Got it. So, I mean, he's he's out for an extended period of time. They're coming to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers, who are coming in at one and one. They debuted at SoFi Stadium with a loss uh, like we predicted. But, I mean... Hey, they put on a show though. The Chargers made the Chiefs look human. Even I though, think that Justin, I mean, there's Justin Herbert he can play. Yeah, and I mean, talk about stay ready, don't gotta get ready. He was told, I mean, seconds before kickoff apparently that he was starting. And Tyrod, uh, he thought guess, it was a joke. Yeah, I guess there were there was some uh, Tyrod was having some chest pain, chest issues or something. I'm not I'm not really sure. But, I mean, when I saw that Herbert was starting for the Chargers, I texted Tyler, and I was like, wait, what is happening? And then that's that's when yeah. you told me that ty- there was something up with Tyrod. Yeah, we thought – I mean, we thought Tyrod was starting until literally they took the field. And so it was like, wait, what? Is he just like – is this a one play? But then you saw Tyrod walk to the locker. I was like, okay. And, and he looked good. He came out swinging. And the Chargers have a good football team. They're ready to pop, so – uh, maybe something like this could, could, you know, get the juices flowing. It's unfortunate because it's the same situation that happened to Tyrod in Cleveland where he lost his job to Baker and never got it back. Yeah. Uh, it might be it, – it's looking like that's going to be the the outcome here. And I like the Chargers to beat Carolina with Justin Herbert. Uh, this two can throw the rock. Um, so I think that they're a much, much deadlier team through the air than they were with Tyrod. Uh, Tyrod's going to manage the game better, but – uh, and he's going to have a much bigger playbook to choose from. But uh, so Herbert's going to have a sim- more simple offense, but the dude can throw. 
Yeah, I think the Chargers win this game. I think there is a lot to be encouraged by from what they saw against the Chiefs and how they were able to contain that offense. But this is also the perfect opportunity for Justin Herbert and the Chargers to get a win under their belt with Carolina coming in as the away team, first-year head coach, first-year quarterback uh, on the team uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. I know he's been in the league for a few years, and and he's, he's a solid talent, but Christian McCaffrey is that team. So I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Chargers to get their first win in SoFi Stadium. Jacob? Yeah, and even if they did have McCaffrey, though, uh, I still think that this Chargers secondary is just really solid this year, even though that they did lose Derwin James. This this is a good Chargers Those guys team. have been stepping up. Chris yeah. Harris Chris Harris Jr. is not going to let those guys, I think, lose a step, even without Derwin James. And uh, who was it? Melvin Ingram had a great game on, on Sunday as well, too. So this Chargers team is... is Joey is, Bosa got his first career sack, I believe. Yeah, I mean, he did look a little gas at the end of the game but because it went into overtime. Um, but it was a tough lo- loss for them, though. But still, I'm taking this Chargers team. Tyler, what were you going to say? No, nothing. Oh, okay. Chargers all the way. Oh, okay. I think they win this game even if McCaffrey was playing. Yeah, okay. All right, the next matchup we got, the number five team in the TSK Show Power Rankings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to the Mile High City to take on the Denver Broncos, who are coming in at 0-2. And we, Tyler, we saw the hit that Drew Locke took, and we were just like, oh, my goodness, is is he alive? So uh, he injured his shoulder on that hit. Uh, He's going to be out for a few weeks. And Tampa Bay, like Tyler said, their offense just looked a lot better in week two than it did in week one. I thought the Brady-Mike Evans connection looked a lot more, um, a lot better. So I got Tampa Bay coming in and winning this game on the road. Tyler, who you got? Yeah, I got Tampa Bay winning on the road as well. They may continue to find their identity on offense um, with kind of like living on the run uh, and then going to the pass off of the off the run game. Jacob? Yeah, I'm going with Brady and the Bucks. I think that first game against uh, the Saints, they were just trying to figure things out and figure how these rotations were going to pan out. But um, I really think that they figured it out uh, this past weekend. All right, the next matchup we got the Detroit Lions coming in at 0-2. They're going down to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals coming in at 2-0. I mean, hey. the Cardinals look <laughs> they look good. Crazy good. Uh, I got the Cardinals winning this game pretty easily. Uh, I'm, I've am i not been impressed by Detroit. Uh, I didn't think many people were going to be impressed by Detroit this year. Uh, so... I mean, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Cliff Kingsbury, Larry Fitzgerald, Buda Baker, Chandler Jones, all, all those guys, they, they're they helping us continue to make the argument that the NFC West is the best division in football. Right now, the NFC West is 7-1 as a whole for the division. It's It's the best record for any division in football, and the only loss comes against two division opponents when the San Francisco 49ers and Arizona Cardinals faced off in week one. So, so they haven't lost anybody outside the NFC West. Exactly. So, I mean, I got the Cardinals continuing that streak. I actually had Cardinals at the number 10 team in the power rankings most, most of the week. I obviously, I always overthink the 10th position. So I went with Pittsburgh, the more seasoned team, but 
Arizona is knocking on the door as one of the premier teams in the league. And Kyler's looking like he's in, you know, the next Russell Wilson uh, with his ability to escape the pocket, make plays downfield. Um, and, you know, they got, they have big names on defense, but this is an offensive juggernaut. Yeah. Jacob, who you got winning this game? I really like this Cardinals team this year, so I'm probably going to be picking them for some, most of these games. <laughs> I'm taking them on this one. All righty. So, all right, we got three games left, and they all feature matchups between top 10 teams in the TSK Show Power Rankings. The first one we got is the Dallas Cowboys going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. The Dallas Cowboys are the number nine team in the TSK Show Power Rankings. Seattle is number two. Dallas is one and one. Seahawks are two and zero. Oh. I know Dallas had the incredible comeback victory against Atlanta where the onside kick did not go as planned. I don't know really what happened with the the mental mistake there. But, I mean, Seattle looks like arguably the best team in the NFL right now. So it's it's hard for me to, to pick against them. I got Seattle winning this game at home. Like Tyler said, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, I think, are the top two MVP candidates two weeks into the season. I, I know it's early, but, I mean, let we – we talk about it all the time, so I mean, yeah. Nine, so nine I got Seahawks winning. Russell, uh, I like Russell to continue his ways. We've struggled with this Dallas team uh, over the last couple of years. We actually lost to them in the playoffs a couple of years, uh, two years ago, I think. Um, so this is not going to be an easy game for us. Their their strength and our our weaknesses kind of collide with their offensive line and our defensive line. But ultimately, I just think that our offense is going to be too high scoring. We're going to be able to put up more points. We'll probably give up some points to this Dallas team, but ultimately, I like us to be, you know, 30, 35 points again and win. Yeah, I just love the way Wilson's been playing, though. And we've mentioned this before, too, with the Cowboys, that I personally just can't have a lot of trust in Dak. And I know they won that game against Atlanta. Um, they went down to the wire, but I still got to ride with the Seahawks on this one. All right. And then the Sunday night matchup, we got Aaron Rodgers going up against Drew Brees, the number six team in the TSK show power rankings, the Green Bay Packers going down to the Bayou to take on the number four team, the New Orleans Saints Packers coming in at two and oh Saints coming in at one and one getting that loss tonight on Monday night football against the Raiders in the debut of Allegiant Stadium, like I said. I got Green Bay winning this game. I'm rolling with Aaron Rodgers. Like we've said, he's a man on a mission this year. He is out to prove everybody wrong. And I just think he finds a way to get this win on Sunday Night Football when the lights are bright. I got the Saints winning this game, uh, coming off of a loss. I just think that they're going to be put together. They're going to have a well, well-planned well game. And, you know, Green Aaron is on a mission. But ultimately, I think that there's only so much a one-man team. Not that he's a one-man team. It's kind of disrespectful. But in essence, Rodgers carries that team. Uh, I think that New Orleans is just too well-rounded, well-built, well-coached that they come out and get the win at home on Sunday Night Football purely because they're coming off a loss. I mean, that was an embarrassing loss they shouldn't have. So I like Breeze and Sean. Sorry, you don't think that not having Michael Thomas again will – be a factor i mean it's a factor but it's not a win-lose fa- i mean i don't think it's the the deal breaker there 
I think New Orleans is still uh, is still New Orleans even without Michael Thomas. Obviously, he has as an incredible threat throughout the entire field whenever he's on the field, but uh, they're still just so dangerous even without him. Third Jacob, Jacob, who you got? I, I got to go with the Packers. Uh, their their offenses looked really potent this year. I know the Saints had a tough loss and they could bounce back, but I think uh, Aaron Rodgers has a lot of weapons this year. All right, and then the Monday night game, the last game of the week for week three. It's a matchup between the number three team in the TSK Show Power Rankings and the number one team in the TSK Show Power Rankings. We got the Kansas City Chiefs coming in undefeated at 2-0. They're going to Baltimore to take on the undefeated 2-0 Baltimore Ravens. And like I said, when we talked about the Chargers, the Chiefs looked human. And I think Baltimore is going to take what they saw from the film in the Chargers and Chiefs game and I think they're going to build on that. I think the Ravens are a much better team than the Chargers. So, I mean, I got the Ravens winning this game at home on Monday Night Football in the Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes showdown. Yep, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens as well. I think they'll be all, like you said, I mean, Kansas City obviously was exposed to it to an extent. Um, they're still incredibly talented. Um, but uh, I like Baltimore to be able to control the clock and the best the best defense to Mahomes is just keep him off the field. So yeah, I like Baltimore to stuff the ball down Kansas City's throw control game and win. Yeah, I got to go with the uh, the Ravens on this one too. For some reason, I don't know what was going on with the Chiefs, but no no credit away from uh, the Chargers, but they just struggled and it was just, it was almost tough to watch them on some of their drives. But Ravens on this one though. All right, well that wraps up the picks of the week for Week Three, and that. Uh, just about does it for us. Do either of you guys have a shout out before we get out of here? Tyler, you got a shout out, Jacob? Uh, I would just say, you know, thoughts and prayers to James White's family. That's, oh, you know, yes. Yeah. That was absolutely it was terrible. One of the, it was one of the harder things about the Seattle game. Um, obviously, it was cool that Russell, um, Russell Wilson was a teammate of James White in college at Wisconsin, uh, and he, you know, kind of gave his post, post-game post interview to James White and his family. So, you know, thoughts and prayers out to them. That's a horrible thing to find out. Yeah. Jacob, you got anything? No, not this week. All right, and my shout-out is just to our guest on the last episode, episode 159, that we got done recording before we did this episode. Uh, that episode is already out. Jeff Perlman, nine-time New York Times bestselling author, his newest book, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the Crazy Years of the Lakers Dynasty is out uh, now, September 22nd. You can get it anywhere you find books. Order it on Amazon. Go to your local bookstore. Uh, wherever you can find books, go to jeffperlman.com. So he was a, a great interview, great anecdotes about the, the Kobe, Shaq years that you might not have heard before. So definitely go check that out. Don't forget this episode of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by Campus Point Coffee. Support us, support a company that makes probably the best coffee ever and is trying to help save the beaches just by entering promo code TSK show at checkout. That's promo code TSK show for 15% off your purchase at campuspointcoffee.com. With that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show 
so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.